you already love him. He loves you. That's why they moved, they moved here. They're based out of this church. So he loves you. They love you. We love him. He's a great speaker, and he has a word from God. That's it. Now I want to honor the person that actually makes the, the whole thing go, and that's his wife. We always stand for the man of God, but would you mind standing for the woman of God who is not in the pulpit, but she has children at home, and she's investing in them and taking care of the home front when her husband is traveling around the country and the world, and she's making sure her kids are cared for and loved, and her ministry is just as important as his ministry, and so we're thankful for Sister Near, and so... I'm thankful. You might as well stay standing because there we go. She's got to get on camera somehow. And uh, anytime she knows, I hope she knows, anytime she has a word from God, she just lets, come on up anytime you want. You just let us know, huh, Sister Near. And so, and uh, Brother Near, we are going to honor Brother Near, the man of God. We have the woman of God, the man of God, the children of God. And you just come up here and make yourself at home and uh, give us a word as you always do. Well, magnify the Lord with me. Would you do that right now? Father, we love you. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Lord, we worship you. We sense your presence. We feel the reality of who you are in this house. And I pray, oh God, that this atmosphere would be ripe. Let it be charged with electric faith, oh God, in this house. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Well, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I was, I was, man, I, I was wanting to come up here and try to be all super spiritual and just, oh, oh magnify the Lord together with me. And let, but then my wife, he, he said something. He said, Pastor said, you know, if, if she ever feels a word from God that she can come up here. What do you think I'm doing up here? She felt a word, told me I'm going to preach it to you. That's how this relationship works. Amen. I'm just kidding. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to have my family here in, at Refuge Church. It is our home church, and, and it's good to see you. It's good. I mean, if you ever want to come over and hang out and stuff, we, you know, I'll give you our address and stuff so we can hang out because we've been quarantined, and I miss you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's good, but I'm, that's kind of true. My wife, she's kind of introvert. I'm an extrovert, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of true. It's 50 percent true. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She likes people sometimes. Amen. I'm kidding. I love you, baby. Um, well, it's good to be home. We just traveled a little bit, just got back home. We traveled uh, all through Sunday and Wednesday. We're in revival and God did some mighty things, but stopping back through Thursday night, we stopped at my mom's house in Des Moines. And my sister and her father from my mother's first marriage, they, he was there with my sister. And my mom, is she is propagating the gospel through Refuge Church and Pastor Dornbach because she had on the screen as big as you can get it. It, it was sticks and stones and words all hurt. 
and she is about 15 minutes into it and stuff, and she, and she, I'm telling you, you're having an effect, whether you realize it or not, far beyond just the immediate and the right now, that what God is doing here is having more of an effect than you could ever imagine. So don't think that the devil's just going to let you slide by. But I'm telling you, if you're affecting family in Iowa that I have and stuff, I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to fight for the purpose of God. And I'm ready to see God do something in liberty far beyond what we see here and now. Okay? Amen. So with that being said, um, if I could, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 15, the gospel of Mark chapter 15 and verse 17. I feel so full right now. I could just, man, I could just talk for a little while right now. But I'm going to try to tame that down because I feel so much in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Mark chapter 15 and verse 17. The Bible says, And they clothed him, Jesus, with purple, and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head, and began to salute him, saying, or salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him, notice where, on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took of the purple from him, and put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place, that place where he would be crucified, that place Golgotha, which is being, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. This morning, in light of everything that is going on in this world, I feel that God has given me a word that is more relevant now than it has ever been. And that is simply, I want to preach to you about the place of the skull. Amen? Now, I need your help. If you're going to help me preach... It's a two-way street. I'll talk to you, you talk back to me, and we'll get somewhere, I'm sure, sooner than later. Uh, amen. But would you help me preach? If you're going to help me preach, I'm going to ask if you would first help me pray. And not just some casual prayer, but I want you to pray like you're, like you're going to war and ask God that He would speak to us, that He would empower us, that He would clear our minds. And I, I, I pray, open our hearts and our spirits. Would you pray it right now, Father? In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you first for your word. But we thank you for those that have gathered to hear it, O oh God. But I'm asking, O oh God, that with clarity, that your anointing would articulate every word and let it be mingled with that gift of faith, O oh God, that we can leave understanding through revelation the things that you have for us to understand. I pray, Lord, that you would heal any mental warfare that is going on. I pray if we have been wounded in any way through the thoughts that have crossed into our minds, I pray it all in the name of Jesus. Healing. Release the gifts of healing. Release there to be miracles and the working thereof in this house. And we pray it, O oh God, in your name. We Bind every hindering spirit, whether human or demonic. And we pray your angels have liberty to minister unto that would-be heirs 
of salvation. In Jesus' name. And you may be seated if you so desire. Amen. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created the natural and He created the spiritual. And the heavens and the earth, they run parallel one to another, separated by a thin veil that we call flesh. We all have it. But the reality is that if you can just peer past the immediate of the moment, you can see into what we will call the heavenlies or the spirit. And with that being said, when you look peer or peer past the immediate, I wanted to say that phrase because it sounds good. Peer past the immediate. You know, being a preacher, you know, you want to communicate things as best you can. So peer past the immediate. But when you do, you'll realize that there is a war that is going on that is more real than anything that we have ever known. If we can just get beyond the moment and see into the spirit, there is a spirit going on in the heavenlies. And and with that being said, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or they're not of flesh, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he lists the strongholds, pulling down strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and brings into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ, hear me. There is a warfare going on, and that warfare is in your mind. It is closer. It is not some warfare that is an abstract thought that you might have to go through something down the road, but there is a very present reality that there is something going on between your ears, and if you don't identify it, it can destroy you. But hear what I want to do today. By I feel that God would have me to awaken us with a way awareness of of that warfare that we are fighting because you hear warfare and spiritual and heavenlies and you hear all these words you think abstract thoughts but the reality is that Jesus came as the father in flesh and he would take on that battle for us And it's no coincidence that when he was going to be crucified on the cross that he would wear a crown of thorns. He would wear a crown of thorns so in return we could have a helmet of salvation. It even goes beyond that. He was struck upon the head. I read it to you. He was wounded on the head. And in doing so that provided for us healing in our minds. But if you go beyond it you find that he would fight his great battle and win the greatest war in a place called Golgotha now Golgotha the place being interpreted the place of the skull I don't think it's a coincidence 
the place where he was crucified, where he carried his cross to and set up shop. I don't think it was a coincidence that it was called the place of the skull because in fact the, all four gospel writers use this Greek word skull and it's in the Greek it's cranion or where we get the word cranium when testifying to the place outside Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. Cranian is often translated as skull in English, but more accurately it means cranium. It's the part of the skull enclosing the brain, implying the mind. In Latin, cranian is rendered from a Latin word calvare, from which the English word calvary derives. It is literally at the place of calvary that depicts the place in the enclosing, the enclosed place of the mind. So what I've come to preach to you today to help us to understand that Jesus it was no coincidence that Jesus was crucified at a place called Calvary. It was not a coincidence that at that place called Golgotha or the place of the skull that he would fight his greatest battle. That he would wrestle with feeling forgotten. It was at that place where he would wrestle with his own rejection of the people that said to love him. It was at that place that he fought his greatest battle but he won the greatest war it's at the place of the skull now while he had won the war it's at that same place of the skull where he won the war is where we often forfeit that victory Because like he, like him, we will wrestle with rejection. We will, like Christ, be, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is at that place of the skull that, yes, he won the war, but we often forfeit that victory, not realizing what he did and where he did it. So you understand that not only the place of the skull was the place where the battle is, is raging, but it's also Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. See the place of the skull, the mind, it is literally the threshold for all lasting change and transformation. It's literally the place of the skull is the threshold that crosses in or gives access to your heart and to your spirit. It all starts and flows from the place of the skull. And I'm here to tell you that you want to know what separates you from the world? He said be not conformed to this world. Not to think like they think and do like they do. You want to know what truly separates you? It's the way that you think. You can live the way you want to live and be separate from the world but the way you think is what separates you in your thoughts. See, listen, let me, let me say it like this. I've got all my notes right here. But I, I, I kind of understand where I think God wants to go. And I'm going to try to follow the Holy Ghost. But you've got to understand how powerful the place of the skull really is. Because I'm going to say a couple phrases and I want you to remember them. The one phrase that I'm going to begin with is thoughts. Oh, they knew. <laughs> See the lights come up down here Because they knew I'm about to start walking I'm trying to stay in the camera But you got cameras everywhere now So I just <laughs> But watch now Thoughts become things 
See, I want you to understand this because the Bible says in John 1 and 1, watch me now. John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We understand that. But that word, word that was in the beginning, that word, word in the Greek, see that? That word, word in the Greek was a word, logos. And logos is, it's literally the thought or expression of thought. So let's, let's put that in there. In the beginning was a thought. But then we always skip down to verses 14 where it says that that, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld him as only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But understand that the word that was in the beginning became flesh. And I know we use that to identify the deity of Jesus Christ. I know we understand. But here's the principle. Watch. In the beginning was a thought. And the thought was with God and the thought was God. But then the thought became flesh. Understand that thoughts always become things. And if it's at the place of the skull long enough, if it's in your mind, it'll eventually make its way into your hands. If it's in your mind, it'll It'll eventually make its way into your feet. If it's in your mind, it'll eventually make it to your mouth. So hear me, thoughts always become things. So you are literally, all you are is a product of your thought. So you can't think that I'm a product of this or that. You are a product of that place called the place of... You're a product of your thoughts because thoughts ultimately become things. And what's in your mind, it'll eventually make its way into your attitudes. It'll make its way into your family, into your home, into your marriage. And you want to know why things are like you're struggling like you are. I'm telling you, you can say it's this or that. You can try to trace it back to anything you want, but if it's traced back to anything outside of your thoughts, you've not got to the root of it. So hear what I'm saying tonight or this morning is that the place of the skull is more powerful than you realize. And it can be in the negative or it can be in the positive, but you just need to recognize simply the power of it. If thoughts become things and I look at the things in my life, trace it back that there was a thought somewhere that I wrestled with and I gave in to. Because if we are products of our thoughts, Pastor, you use Proverbs so much and I love it. Because Proverbs 23 and 7 says this. It says, as a man thinketh. Wait a minute. In his heart. See, your mind is the threshold that gives access to your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are a product of your thoughts. And that's why Paul in Philippians said it like this. He said, finally, brethren, after everything that I've told you, it all comes down to this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of a good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on thee because he understood if you're going to have that in your life it's got to cross through the threshold of that place called the skull I'm sorry I'm getting a little excited I'm just I just noticed I was preaching there for a second. 
But I want you to catch this. He said, finally, after all that I've taught you, if brethren, think on these things. Because you are simply a product of your thoughts. And, and, and what I want you to understand, what influences the place of the skull, thus influencing who you become? Watch this. Another thing I'm going to say, not only is thoughts become things, you're a product of your thoughts, but I'm also going to say your intake will determine your output. Your intake will determine your outcome. Please don't check out just yet. Because your intake will determine your output and also your outcomes. So just think. Will you have a little thought coming through your mind and nobody knows about it? Hear me. If you let that thought dwell long enough, that thought will find its way into your future. Ah, That thought will find its way into your marriage. That thought will find its way into the way you raise your kids. And it will find its way into your relationship with you and your boss. It'll find its way into your relationship with your... But hear what I'm saying, that that the Bible literally... I'm going to show you how it says that intake will determine output. What am I talking about, intake? Intake. I'm talking about what you ingest. See, we don't know it sometimes, but the devil is always looking for a way in. Because he knows Jesus has already won the war. And the only way that the devil wins in our life is if we don't show up to the battle. See, so what you've got to understand is that he is always looking for a way for you to get, uh, get you to forfeit what Jesus has already won for you. That's the only way that he wins in your marriage. That's the only way that he wins in your family. That's the only way that he wins in liberty. If he can weasel his way in now and get your intake to be off so your outcome will be less than what God wants. See, watch, intake. I had a story. I thought I said this last time I was here, but I, I obviously I didn't because um, I didn't. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I remember there was one time that like I was at home. And I was wanting to watch something clean, something that didn't really have a lot, you know. Just, I mean, there's so much gut, just junk out there. I wanted, so I got into survival shows. I, are we okay here, survival shows? Everybody just looked at. Okay, survive Bear, Bear Grylls, Man versus Wild, and I, I mean, I was so into it because it was one of the only things you could watch and not feel like you got to take a shower afterwards. Right, so I, I I pull up on YouTube and we have this YouTube channel. Then it's got all the survival shows. And there was Les Shroud; he was survival man. And there was a show called Beyond Survival. And what he would do, he would go into these areas and he would live with the people that were the Aboriginals to that area that they had been there and they've lived like. So he would get around them. He'd watch what they do and do what they do. So he is sitting there. And as I'm watching this, my wife's in the other room. I'm just watching it. The kids are young. I'm sitting there and I'm just like, yeah, cool. All right. Wow. And he's in Sri Lanka of all places. I don't know what that means to you, but it, it was, I'm like, cool, okay. He's over there, Sri Lanka, and he, they are all painted up white and stuff, got their war paint on, and they start dancing around that fire. And they start doing a Sri Lankan dance for the dead. And as quick as I realized what they were doing, all of a sudden my wife says, Ryan, 
from the other room, Ryan, what are you watching? She said, because whatever you're watching just came into our home. See, there's a warfare going on, but many times we're just living in the moment and we never peer past what we see, what we sense, what we feel. But realize that there is something going beyond, going on beyond. So you can ask my wife. I said, babe, you better get out here and pray. Because I said, nothing, XX, delete out, you know. And she came in and we started praying. And when we started praying, the Lord said, you let an unclean spirit into your home. You, you've allowed a chance. Ch- and I'm not going to spare, I'm going to spare you a lot of the details. But we started praying. And, and the reality of the spirit world came alive for me that day. I knew of it, but I was not really aware of what I knew of. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when that happened, all of a sudden we began to pray. And when we began to pray, I said, babe, I feel like it's something for Sri Lanka that, that I, I channeled through a channel, amen, into our home. And I felt so bad. I felt so guilty because I exposed my family. I exposed my kids to something because of what I was doing and what I did not realize. And here's what happened. I said, baby, it's a Sri Lankan demon. I was, I was like all fired. Up. It's a... Now, I'm not spooky. I'm trying not to be spooky. Listen and be all crazy because you might be a guest here. I don't know. I, you might be a guest here. And you're like, what is he talking about? So brace yourself because when I said it's a Sri Lankan demon, she said, baby, whatever you just named it, that's what it is because it came to attention. She felt it come to life. And I look over in the corner, Pastor, and when I looked over in the corner, I seen something like we had a fake tree over in our corner of our apartment. I looked over, and in the middle of it, I saw the face of that demon. That was the first time I ever seen anything. I said, my God, and we started praying. And I'm here to tell you it's from that day I realized that there was a reality of a heavenly war that was going on. But here's the thing. I'd allowed that into my home. It almost crossed the threshold of my mind and gained access to my heart and to my spirit. Oh God, help us right now to understand that there is something real that is going on, that you're not just fighting with your spouse, you're not just grieved over your kids, but hear me, there is a real battle and there is something that wants to rob us of the victory. If you want to wrestle with depression, you go ahead, but I've got a victory. If you want to wrestle with suicide, if you want the devil to have his way with your kid, go ahead. But there is a place of the skull that he won the war. Uh, Hallelujah. So listen, your intake determines your output and your outcome. So be careful. Watch. Now, I'm going to take this a little bit further. If you'll pull up for me that Genesis scripture, Genesis 25, I think it is. 35, 20, I don't know why I gave you one. 25, 30, there it is. Esau and Jacob were two twin brothers. Esau was the older of the two. He was a hunter. He was a man of the field. He was a survivalist. He was less shroud. Bear grills. But Esau... One day he comes home from the field. And he's at the point to die. He's ready to give up. Because if you go up a little bit further, you go up a little bit farther, further. I don't know, my wife needs to correct me on that. But you go up further, it says that Esau's father, Isaac, loved him because he did eat of his venison. So his understanding of the father's love is based on performance. 
See, this is just a little side, side note. And the day he comes home empty-handed, and he doesn't fulfill the requirement to receive his father's love, he says, what good is all of it? See, he's wrestling with things. But he comes home from the field and said to Jacob, he said, feed me, I pray thee, that same red pottage. For I am faint, therefore his name was called Edom. He comes home so tired, ready to give up on everything. He comes home to his brother, he said, dude, give me some of that red pottage. And he ate the red pottage, and his name thus was changed to Edom. You know what Edom means? Edom means red man. So he ate the red pottage, and he became the red man. That's Bible for you are what you See, that's scriptural precedence where, listen, you are what you eat. He ate the red pottage. He became the red man. He got to the place where he was so tired. He was wore out. He was ready to throw his hands up and throw the towel in. He said, hey, you got to give me this red pottage. He ate the red pottage, became the red man. Be careful because when you are tired, you'll let down your guard and you'll ingest things that you wouldn't ingest it otherwise. But hear what I'm saying, that you are what you eat. But how, what does that matter? <laughs> what does that really matter? Because here's the thing. You are what you eat. What I'm talking about spiritually. How do you ingest things spiritually? Through that place of the skull. When it crosses a threshold of your mind, it gains access if you let it to your heart, thus determining who and what you become. And I'm here to tell us that are in this house, how do you ingest things into your spirit? I'm here to tell you through your eyes and through your ears. What you hear and what you see will allow things across the threshold of your mind, thus giving access to your heart and to your spirit. So you want to see what you're going to become? Just look at your intake. You want to see what your marriage is going to be like? Just look at your intake. You, look at your, you, want, to, you want to see what your kids are going to turn out to be? Just look at the intake. And I'm not just talking about media. I'm not just talking about what you listen to. But I'm talking about there's counsel that can come into your ears that's not godly counsel. But you've allowed it to come across your ears long enough. There's people that are speaking into your life and saying things that are ungodly counsel but when you're listening to it it's crossing the threshold of your mind it's getting into but when you look at your intake if you were to look at coronavirus and the quarantine and isolation if you were to look at your your intake over isolation what would you be And you wonder why we have what's going on in the world now. I was at my mom's house. It went from her uh, sticks and stones to let's X out of that for a second. And then the news already automatic comes up. They don't even have the sound on. It's just that thing across the bottom. This more many cases. This more many. And it's just feeding. It's feeding. It's feeding. And no wonder that we are in the outcome of a thing. We are fearful. And we're wondering what's going to happen. Because our intake is determining our output. And we will become what we eat. If you eat the red pottage, it's just a matter of time. You become the red man. So hear me. What is it that you want to be? What is 
is it that you want to see as the outcome in your life? That's why I'm going to listen to pastor even when I'm gone. That's why I'm going to be a part of Refuge's ministry and their music ministry. That's why I want to be a part even if I'm not here. I want to see it because I understand what comes in my ears is going to come out my mouth. What comes in my eyes is going to come out of my feet. What comes in must come out. Somebody hear me. And I, now, no, no, I'm not trying to be weird again. I'm not trying, I'm really not trying to be spooky. But I want us to understand the reality. I'm not just talking about, it was a survival show. But the survival show was a Trojan horse to access things in me. So it may be innocent to you, but the devil don't fight fair. So I remember at my mom's house, we were sitting there years ago. This is when God first started showing me some of this stuff. And I started teaching a Bible study, Pastor. And when I started to teach that Bible study, I mean, it was good. We were talking about the blood of Jesus. I remember we were talking about the blood of Jesus. There is power. Power. Wonder work. Is that the right song? Okay, cool. Good, I get to the point where it talks about the blood and it ain't there. I'd be messed up. But no, but watch now. We're, ta- we're, we're having a Bible study and all of a sudden there comes a knock on the door. And I get sick to my stomach. That discerning of spirit, something just was off with this knocking of the door. And in comes this lady who is drunker than a skunk. She comes up the back stairs. We let her in. She comes up the back stairs. She sits right at the table. She starts disrupting the Bible study. But I go on about the name and the blood of Jesus. I start talking about the blood of Jesus, realizing something about this lady is off. She knew the family, and something was off in her, and I felt it in me. And I started talking about the blood of Jesus, and when I did, I noticed what she did. She started to scream. No, but it wasn't her voice. It was a man's voice or some other kind of voice. And it started to say no. And I realized that that lady, it wasn't just that lady. That she had brought some guests with her. And when she listened what she did, she grabbed her ears and she closed her eyes and said no. 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 When I started talking about the blood of Jesus, notice what she did. God just brought it to my remembrance this morning. She grabbed and tried to close her ears and she shut her eyes eyes because even the devil knows that it's through the ears and it's through the eyes that he gets access and it works in reverse if we can get the gospel in their ears if we can live it before their eyes hear me we can win the war at the place of the skull we don't have to live defeated we don't have to watch our kids walk away and our young people be robbed from our hear me we have won the war And it's at the place of the skull. Somebody just clap your hands right now. And somebody shout, yeah. But I'll tell you, I kept teaching about the blood of Jesus. I kept teaching about the name. And I began to say things like this. She couldn't drown it out or he couldn't drown it out or her. I said the name of Jesus has all authority and power. And the blood has already won the war. And that lady, my mom didn't know what to do. She kicked the chair back, stood up and said, devil be gone. 
She had no idea what was going on. My wife just began to intercede. And I'm here to tell you, at that kitchen table, we cast the devil out of her. And you watch it like detached from her. She fell back in her seat. Tears began to flow down her face. And God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. I'm telling you, there's something about this place of the skull. You can't keep it out of their ears. You gotta get it before their eyes. It's the place. hear me I know I know I know I know but not only is intake the influence on your outcome but environment environment listen a lot of what we're facing and struggling and fighting with it's right here but what's causing us to forfeit the victory is the influence and environment. See, because if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 18, you'll find there's a young man named Absalom, the son of David. And Absalom, the men of Israel, are fighting the men of David. And they, are, they had just gone through one of the bloodiest battles in the woods, the Bible says, of Ephraim. And as they had fought, the Bible said that 20,000 men died that day. But watch what the word says about that battle of losing 20,000 men. It says, for the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. And the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Environment. See, it wasn't the war. It wasn't the sword that was the deadliest, but it was the environment that had killed more men than the actual sword. And that could kind of describe where we are in this day and age. That yes, we had corona and it is deadly. And it's a reality that's coming closer and closer ever to our homes and things. But hear me, although the sword is a reality. But I believe sometimes what we have done. We have created an environment that is now more deadly than the original virus. We have created a culture in a context of fear. And that fear has paralyzed us. It has caused us to forfeit the victory by surrendering our faith. But hear what I'm saying to you today. That yes, virus is deadly. Yes, the sword, it can kill. But we have allowed in this day in the United States and across the world an environment to be created that is more deadly than the original sword. But I'm here to tell you what the devil sent as a pandemic God was going to use it as a platform so I don't want to surrender our victory because of the environment that the world has created with the virus now listen I know because I was telling somebody before service I was telling before service I almost got beat up at Starbucks yeah get me, a, get me my tall Pike's Place cream two stevia's I walked in and it was mobile order and they had it just, I mean, labeled out. They had the letters like Q through like S and I knew R was in there somewhere, I thought. So I went and I went to grab and look and see if it was my drink. And it said, not Ryan on there, it said Carrie. I said, 
And some guy comes up behind me and he says, Dude, what are you doing? He starts just laying into me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I touched his drink. He said, What are you doing? That's my drink, especially with everything that's going on, bruh. And I was like, what kind of environment is this? And I can't even get my coffee. I got to wrestle with old dude that's got his sandals on. I'm like, what, what in the world? But hear me, environment is so important and it will influence us if we just casually coast through the environment not realizing how deadly that environment is. Watch what happens. Verse 9 says, And Absalom met the servants of David and Absalom rode upon a mule and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak and his head... His head caught hold of the oak and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth. Do you see what just happened? He was just casually strolling through that environment that had killed already so many and caused him to forfeit their victory when the battle's already been won. He's just casually going through the environment not realizing what's going on in that environment and it takes hold of his head and when it takes hold of his head his mule keeps on going and then he is thus stuck between the heaven and he is stuck between the earth. You want to know why some of us are still wrestling with indecision in our walks with God? It's because we've allowed environment to catch hold of our head. We've allowed the fear to capture our faith. It's the environment that took hold and snatched him off that mule. And and I'm telling somebody, hear me young people, hear me young people. You can be stuck in indecision between heaven and earth. All because that place of the skull has been captured by the environment. And we're just stuck. But you know what happens? You know what happens? The Bible said that his enemy comes to him, Absalom. Joab comes to Absalom. He stuck all because that place of the skull had been captured by environment. And as he's stuck, his enemy comes and throws a dart at his heart. See, when you allow your head to be captured by the environment, it leaves your heart exposed to your enemies. And that's what killed Absalom. You think the place of the skull don't matter. I'm telling you it matters more than you realize and you haven't said a word but you're wrestling on the inside wondering about some things. Am I really worth it? Am I really that valuable? And God says yes you are. So you've got to settle in that place of the skull the wrestling match you've been wrestling with. I'm here to tell you my heart belongs to God and no one else. That means I've got to be aware when I go into environments I'm going into a battle that it's already killed many that were not aware of what they were going through but I'm going to be aware 
there that fear will not take my family that there will not be an environment that steals my children there will not be an environment that I forfeit because I am going to be aware of what I am going into hear me somebody you came here you came to this church looking for refuge and you found it but don't forfeit that refuge because you go out into environments and allow it to capture your head. It's the place of the skulls. I've got one more thing. Oh. Gotcha. You know great balls of fire? I'm just kidding. Somebody needed that. Because this was getting pretty heavy. I understand. You can come for the show. I don't know. Okay. But what I want you to understand. Did you know environment is so important to that place of the skull? Because there's a Bible story in Mark. It's It's about a man who was possessed with many devils and he was... He was met by Jesus as Jesus comes to the shore of the Gadarenes. And the Bible says this about this man. He ultimately gets free and Jesus sets him free. But here's the thing. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5 verse 3. The Bible says about this man. He sa- it says, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces and neither could any man tame him. Do you realize that Jesus stumbled, not stumbles, he intentionally finds this man. He had many times, the Bible said, had chains plucked asunder. Many times he had had moments where he had experienced liberty and freedom. But here's the thing. Those momentary uh, times of freedom, they only lasted so long because he would go from the chain-breaking moments to go live and dwell among tombs. Hear me. I know I'm preaching to the choir. But how many chain-breaking services will we have? And then forfeit that liberty to go back and dwell among tombs just to forfeit the victories and the liberties that we've experienced. This man, the Bible said many times, he broke those chains. And how many times have we come into service? You know it, Abigail. We come into service and we're wrestling with stuff. And all of a sudden, pastor gets up there and he has just that clear word and you come to this altar and then you are met at that altar by the singing, the anointed singing of Sister Dornbach and and all the musicians begin to sing and you come in response to the word and you came in bound you came seemingly in chains and you couldn't be everything you knew God wanted you to be but you came, you heard the word and they began to sing and you had that chain breaking 
moment only to leave here and go dwell in tombs and environments that are not conducive for life. I don't want to have another service today where we have a chain-breaking moment. Where we feel moments of that depression lifting. We feel moments where we're closer in our marriage than ever before just to go home. Dwelling among tombs. This will not be one of those services. Because we understand that Jesus at the place of the skull where he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wrestled with it. Everything that you're wrestling with. He wrestled with it at the place of the skull. So after Jesus meets this man and then delivers him, the Bible says, I believe it is in verse 15. Watch this. Verse 15, and they came to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil who had the legion. He was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Jesus had once and again broke the chains. But what good is it if he's just going to go back to that place where he would cut himself and go back to that place that bound him at the first? So what Jesus says to him, this this man, pastor, he says to him, he says, let me follow you. Let me come with you and your disciples. Because he knew there was safety following Jesus. But hear me. Jesus told him no. Because I believe Jesus was trying to make a point that day. He's sitting there. He's now finally in his right mind. He has broken free of the chains that have been placed on his life. Free from thoughts. And he said, Jesus, just let me follow you. Let me stay in your presence so that I can keep what I have. But Jesus says no. And watch what he says in verse 19. He says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home. You know what that tells me, Refuge Church? That tells me that Jesus expects our homes to be places that are conducive to keeping what we received in His presence. But let me follow you, Jesus. No, go home. Go let your homes be environments that are safe. Let your marriages be in a safe place when you go home. Your couches should be altered. But how many times do we come here and we lose there what we got here? But Jesus is saying you can't always be where the music is playing. And you can't always have the comforting voice of the shepherd guiding you. That you have to go home. So right now. We're going to have an altar call, but a very special altar call. 
It's going to be an altar call where I don't even open the altar. But I ask you to stand to your feet right now. And God is going to help somebody win their war. Somebody's been wrestling with thoughts, but you haven't even said a word. You came here looking for hope. You came here looking for answers because of the thoughts that are rolling around in that place of the skull. But with your hands lifted high, God is going to give you a healing in your mind. He is going to help you to have the victory at that place of the skull. But what do I do with it? Go home! Go home. That's it. That's it. Thoughts of insecurity. Thoughts if you're really loved. Come on, God's ministering to somebody right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, right now, God is going to touch your mind. God is going to give you the victory, but you've got to keep it. You've got to keep it. right now come on somebody reach somebody reach somebody's going to get the victory once and for all somebody's going to get the victory you're not going to have to wrestle with those same old thoughts because you're going to change your intake you're going to change your environment and you're going to go home There's a spirit of ministry right now. If you feel to reach over to somebody right where you are, come on, I want the church to come alive. I want you to come alive. We can't come to the altar right now because I want you to go to somebody that they've been wrestling. They've been going through the battle, but it's at the place of the skull. Come on, there's ministry happening all across this building right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, go to the cross again. It's time for you to carry your burden to the cross where he died, where he bled. Come on, right now. That's it. From the front to the back, there's things that are happening in the name of Jesus. I want you to step out of faith, and we're going to create an environment of faith when we've got a culture of fear right in this house. That's it, young man. That's it, young man. You're winning the war today. Come on, saints. If there's a guest and you feel comfortable, would you just let them know everything is going to be all right in their world because of what Jesus did at the place of the skull?
step out and come to this altar. It's open in the name of Jesus.
like you need a breakthrough in one, one way or another. If you need a breakthrough in your mind, I want you to run to this altar as fast as you can. Get here because God is doing certain breakthroughs at this altar right now and all around this house. But if you want to make a point to get a victory, that you want to make a point that you're going to win a personal war that you are going through right now, I want you to please, by faith, step out. I want you to lift your hands and God is going to move upon that place of the skull this day like he did that day. Come on, come. Some of you have been wrestling, feeling forsaken. That's it, keep coming. People are coming, keep coming. Keep coming. When you get up here, I'm telling you, God is going to move on you like he did at that place of the skull. He's going to move at this place.